October is Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month, and I will be sharing my heartbreaking experience of having a miscarriage almost two years ago now. It's honestly crazy to even say the words two years ago because it feels so raw and so emotional still. I know that everyone who experiences a miscarriage or pregnancy loss, everyone feels and reacts so differently. And if you're in the one in four club, which by the way is a club that none of us asked to be a part of, I just want you to know my heart goes out to you. I'm wrapping you up in a big hug For so long, this was a topic that was very hush-hush, and you never knew who had a miscarriage, and all you saw were beautiful pregnancy announcements. And so more stories, more vulnerability, more of women's stories to make us all feel less alone. And I firsthand know how triggering these stories can also be. If you're not in a place where you are ready, maybe you're never in a place where you ever want to listen to a story about loss, that is perfectly okay. Please close out now. Please protect your heart. We are going to get real and raw and vulnerable with my own personal experience today. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next family trip. Make the most of your spending by comparing smart travel credit cards side-by-side with NerdWallet. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A family adventure? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at NerdWallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Finally, here we are. It's after bedtime, the kids are asleep, and it is time to get down. I'm Kristen. And I'm Dina. We're the duo behind the ever-popular Instagram account, Big Little Feelings, which helps you navigate all things parenthood. But this is not a boring-ass parenting podcast. There will be inappropriate jokes. We will be getting down and dirty. So put those babies to bed and let's have fun. Okay, it's after bedtime time. We're here finally. It's what a my day. Favorite. Okay, also my favorite part of the day is being with my children. Duh. Okay, I know today's episode is going to be a serious topic, but before we dive into that, could we just have like a bestie catch up? I am just dying. <laughs> I've been dying all day for this. Can we just catch up for a minute? I know. I feel like I'm never going to stop saying how tired I am, though. Every time I come here, I'm just like, I'm so tired. I literally had the same thought right before you came over was like, how many times can we talk about how tired we are on this podcast? Because it's like, I don't know anything else to talk about when we first sit down. But also, why did no one tell you that you get so fucking tired when you're a parent? I think they did. did. And then I think we thought like, oh, when they're newborns, Mm. they don't sleep. Then they do. And I just like, I heard it, but I don't. I didn't get it. Yeah, I'm just embracing I'll never not be tired again. Yeah, and I I feel like it's okay to complain. I'm doing an air quotes, listener. Complain about that because I feel like also, whether it's on social media and also just in real life, we're like, if you complain about one aspect of parenting, it somehow means like, you hate your children. Like, you hate... And it's like, bro, I love my children 
more than anything, the best, literal best moments of my life is just being with my kids, doing nothing. Yeah. And I'm soul crushingly exhausted right now in this moment. Valid. Okay. The but, other fucky one, by the way. Oh, yeah. Is when people are like, well, then why do you have kids? <laughs> yeah. You signed up for this. Yeah. And I'm just like, yeah, duh. I and I'm tired. And I'm tired. I love them. I'm tired. I love them. <laughs> What's the problem? <laughs> like, would I just not have them? I don't understand. Also, by the way, I'm just going to put this out there. Before I had kids, I was tired. I was thinking that the other day. <laughs> I was thinking. It. You're a tired person. <laughs> yeah, I'm really. And I don't think everyone is. Like, my husband is bone crushingly tired now. You know, like, he yeah. is every husband, which is on the couch. Mike does it too. Yeah. The. TV screens are blaring, children are screaming, toys are being, the dogs are barking, and they are dead asleep on a couch, yep. mouth open, midday. snoring, midday. So like, he's not a tired person and he's exhausted now. But before I had kids, I was I was an exhausted person. Like I'm the person that in Mexico needs a midday nap from the vacation. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know I what do. I mean? I'm, I'm not that person. You're not Just that. for the record. You're I get up at <laughs> yeah, 530 say. sharp before kids. And I'd be like at my coffee shop, then at my second coffee shop, Very then productive. at my job. Very productive. Yeah. And then after your productivity period, more productivity, right? Yeah. Like even the rest is like productive. And yeah. you're just like, go, 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 go. Could these both be trauma responses? <laughs> Is what I'm getting to. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, here we are. Oh, wow. Well, this is the forum for it. <laughs> Big little feelings after bedtime. Trauma. Speaking of trauma. Sure. We're laughing, but we're going to okay. transition into today's topic, Ugh. which is near and dear to your heart, yeah. especially mm -hmm. the heartbreaking experience of pregnancy loss. Yep. I look forward to this episode. It's a hard one. It's a hard yeah. one. So let's do it. Okay. Okay, we're big believers that small, easy changes can have big results. And that goes for your skincare routine too. These days, it's so confusing to know what product works for this and that and which work together in what order. So I'm just going to make it easy for you. The work system from Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, it's high-end skincare that's affordable, and it really works. Dime didn't sacrifice performance just to make it clean either. And when I say clean, by the way, Dime is 100% transparent about every single ingredient, so you can use their products daily with confidence. I do not have time to remember a 10-step routine. The work system is everything you need in one powerful package. It includes a gentle cleanser, a toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. Plus, with spring and summer around the corner, I love anything with sunscreen. Their Tinted Glow Wonder Screen with SPF 30 just came out in new shades, and it's amazing. Dime has over 2 million happy customers, and their product reviews are literally all five stars. Love your skin again. Go to DimeBeautyCO.com now and unlock your discount. That's DimeBeautyCO.com. DimeBeautyCO.com. It's about time you've checked out Dime. Hey, Mama, we see you. All the visible and invisible work you do for others and yourself. That's why this Mother's Day, the Meditation for Women podcast has a special free guided meditation just for you. Stay to listen to hundreds of guided meditations available for you. Some to help you sleep, start your day, release anxiety, and tune into your intuition. Listen to Meditation for Women on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, well, I'm going to say that there's no real way to dive in. It feels awkward because it is 
<laughs> awkward. It's not something that people talk about a whole lot. I'm so grateful that we live in the year that we live in and that people do start talking about it at all. But it feels awkward to talk about because it's just still not that common to talk about. Not that common to talk about, mm-hmm. but mm. one in four of us, one in four, one in four pregnancies and yeah. in miscarriage. Yep. It is so, so common. And I think what is crazy to me is that women, you know, people are showing up to their workplace, mm-hmm. going into meetings, still bleeding. Like, this is crazy. You know, when having we, to go through a normal day. When I shared on our stories, I mean, the DMs that we got thousands upon thousands of people who were miscarrying, like in a work meeting, mm-hmm. they were at the school teaching and miscarrying. And even not only that, because there's no protocol, like, do you go to your boss? Do you go to like, and first of all, here's where it starts, by the way, here's where it starts. And this episode's gonna be all over the place, by the way. This is where it starts, though, is if you want to keep your privacy during pregnancy, especially the early stage, you totally should. That is absolutely your right. But there's this like blanket rule that everyone cannot share before 12 weeks. And the whole theory is just in case, just in case. And then because you haven't told anyone, you can't be standing in your meeting. You can't be at the school. You can't be wherever you are and say, hey, something's happening. Like I'm losing, I think I'm losing, I'm bleeding, whatever it may be. I mean, it's just, it's happening in a moment. You don't think it's going to happen to you. To me, it's like, we should be telling people if it feels right to us, just in case. It's like the opposite, just in case you're one in four, people should probably know that. I would argue that your boss actually needs to know that you're pregnant so that you can go to them and you can tell them that something is wrong or something is off or you are bleeding. But here's where we fuck ourselves. Since no one knows that you're pregnant in the first place, you're standing there at work or wherever you are, it could be anywhere, and you actually can't even tell your boss or tell anyone that you're miscarrying because it was a secret in the first place. And then the incredibly isolating experience of afterwards, which we'll get into. But that whole experience right when it's happening, plus afterwards, still no one knows. No one knew. So you're not telling anybody. So you're not getting like flowers. You're not getting meals. Nobody's coming over to help you take care of the kids because nobody knew in the first place. And so it's just this like, there's really almost nothing else more isolating. Right. There really is nothing else more isolating. So you're devastated and isolated, like at the same time. Seeing those like perfect photos and seeing the 12 weeks, 12 weeks, 12 weeks, 12 weeks, like the first thing that happens to a lot of us, maybe not everybody, but to a lot of us is like, what did I do? Yeah. What did I do? And I, here I'm going to get emotional, but fuck with mine. You'll remember we flew to Los Angeles. It was the most exciting thing. We were doing a photo shoot for Big Little Feelings, which is the dream come true. I can't think of doing anything better for me, like my favorite thing on earth, meeting families that follow us. But I had started, there were like warning flags. If you remember, we were sitting on a fucking airplane. And remember the flight attendant, the flight attendant. This is a core memory. Yeah. I was listening to a voicemail about my levels 
being a red flag and the fucking flight attendant very rudely not a nice way i get i get that hurts her job really rudely was yeah. telling me to put my phone away do you remember that yeah do you just think they remember that because i do as the recording was telling you that your hcg levels uh-huh. were dropping at an alarming rate uh-huh yeah. yep and uh that's the first thing is like everybody should just be kind like you can still say put your phone away but like you don't know if somebody what's happening to them so then we flew to los angeles and I needed to get my levels checked again because we didn't know if we would need to start progesterone, whatever it was. Remember, it was a scramble, finding an urgent care. I remember the nurse saying two things, which was the first thing was something like, don't worry because stress is bad for the baby or something like that. <laughs> like the most fun You're like thing Jesus Christ. Like oh what? Not stressed right <laughs> <Yeah>. now. Like, <laughs> I don't even control that. No. And I would argue, and you would probably argue too, as a therapist, it's probably much worse to shove a very natural feeling correct deep down. Like what that would do to you physiologically. That would stress you out, ironically. <laughs> That was the first thing she said. Sorry. I'm laughing. Laughing as a response to drama. Um, And so then the second thing she said to me as I'm in Los Angeles, I think at this point, this was the follow-up call. The second thing she said to me was, just take it really, really easy these next few days. Yeah. And meanwhile... And we meanwhile, signed up for an insane work project. We it's long like long days, the longest day <laughs> we've had to date yeah. up until that point. A literal sixteen-hour work day, literal. And you're running around, and the adrenaline is coursing, and even everything leading up to it, like finalizing the shoots. Like this is just chaos. This is just like good chaos, but like forty-eight hours of sheer Tense. chaos. And I remember telling myself because this is logical. I remember telling myself like that's not going to affect this if the levels are not where they're at no amount of stress unless of course maybe it was like extreme but like the stress and then working is probably not what's going to do it because pregnancies last through like war times trauma if i were home i'd still be quote unquote doing an 18 hour workday, taking care of like my children, you know, stay at home moms are carrying the kids all day. So logically, in that moment, I was like, sure, you know, and I was trying, I remember trying really hard to just keep at least the stress down, like working is fine. Everybody can work. Women work like fuck that. And I was just so, so stressed at keeping the stress down. (laughs) But then that leads me all the way back to what we were talking about which is the first thing for a lot of us is what did I do? What did I do? And not even what did I do? It's like, it's like, I did this, like I, I did this. And when you see all of those perfect 12 week posts over and over and over and over and over, it's like, well, maybe if I was more like, fucking Haley. She seems like she's glowing. She has a great husband. She doesn't seem stressed at all. She kept her fucking baby. Like I didn't listen. I pushed, I did this, I did that. And like, I did this, you know? And I think if you saw 25% of people's stories, then it wouldn't be so, it must be me, right? Because it's like, no, it's not just me. It's all of us. That might help. 
that yeah. might fucking help. That could help. And coming in with my little therapist hat right Please now. Do. Yeah. Please do. Research suggests mm-hmm. that this is not something that's someone's fault. Mm-hmm. Most pregnancies that are lost yep. are mostly due to genetic factors. Yep. You know, it's not your fault. Anybody need to hear that again? Can you say that again? Yeah. It is not your fault. Mm-hmm. Even right now, we're at what? How far out am I from this experience now? I mean, two years? Two years. Two years. Even just hearing that. Ooh, I'm going to try real hard not to cry this entire podcast. You can but just cry. hearing, I know, but I'm just, then I'm just sobbing into a microphone. So, <laughs> but yeah, hearing it's not your fault. I mean, I heard from several people, we'll get into this of like, what should you say? What shouldn't you say? But several people asked me and they were like, well, what happened? And it's like, does anyone, I mean, there are certainly pregnancy losses that happen where something happened. Absolutely. And then for the sort of one in four, what do we say back? Like, what do you do? And somebody did say, I don't remember who it was, but somebody did say, they're like, oh, you were really working a lot, weren't you? And I was like, fuck. Damn. Slap in the face of guilt. Yep. All the logic went right out the window and was, oh, horrible. Yeah, Horrible. I'm going to come back in with my therapist hat again for a second. <laughs> that would be helpful. Okay. That would be really helpful. <laughs> Just to say that what you were describing with the intense guilt and denial and wishing you could mm. go back and mm-hmm. do things different, this is all part of the morning cycle. This mm-hmm. is grief. This yeah. is a very natural part of grieving something that you were excited about. You let yourself see it happen, play mm-hmm. out for a moment. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. that's really natural. Yeah. And to go through the other stages, too, and cycle through it. It's the right. anger. It's the rage. Yeah. It's sadness. Yeah. It's a moment of acceptance. And then yep. back into the intense emotions. Yeah. And I also think someone said, actually, I think someone said this to me. Oh, yeah, it was during this. Mr. Chaz, how are you? I hope you're doing great. Follow him. He's wonderful. Mr. Chaz was the one that said to me, after the loss and said, grief has no timeline. I'm going to tear up again thinking about that because here we are two years later. And even right now, you know, it's a lot less painful. It doesn't feel as raw. But even right now, cycling through feeling really guilty, even to this day, you know, and then for the past two years, I haven't felt guilty, year and a half, let's call it, you know, where it's logic again, where it's like, nothing could have happened. It's one in four, yada, yada, yada. But the grief cycle doesn't stop. And that was one thing, even though I heard it, I had to keep mantraing it to myself because if you have other kids or maybe you don't, but you have a job or you have a dog or you have anything else going on in your life, it can be really tempting, or at least for me as a type A, I told myself, you have one week. But I said it in a more gentle way. It was like, you know what? Like, take this week. Dina, can I take the week off? And you're like, of course, take the week off. Take the whole week, cry, scream, let it out, blah, blah, blah. And then when that week was up mentally, that week was fucking up. Like I was not gonna let myself, like, sure, I can still be sad. Sure. But like, buck up, get back into it, like get into work that you need to be writing, like get in with your kids. Like what is wrong with you? Uh, it was just, it took almost a long like, time. like 
be a normal, in quotes, that was functioning my person. A hundred percent. That was my two days after, two days after. This is such a weird response in retrospect, especially for me. We just talked about how in Mexico I like to take a nap midday. So it's so interesting that my actual trauma response was the opposite. I thought I would want and allow myself to lay in bed for three months. That's like my natural, my natural desire. That's what I think I couldn't identify it and then be like, this is grief because it was so like such a wild way for me personally to respond of two days after I remember I took both of my kids to the beach here in Denver. It's not really a beach, but I took them to the beach and there's like a mile uphill and downhill and it was 95 degrees outside. And no part of me thought, let alone the fact that you're emotionally grieving, but physically recovering. Nobody tells you, by the way, that after you have a pregnancy loss, no matter how early it is, you're in a postpartum period, hormonally. So you feel fucking wild. And sometimes that doesn't even kick in until seven days after. It doesn't even start until seven days after. Three weeks in, like it is a world and nobody told me. So I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know why I couldn't push these kids up a fucking mile mountain. I remember going on a date night and sobbing, sobbing at date night three days later. Why am I at a date night? Who knows? That's how you coped. So wild. And I remember sitting at that date night, of course, already embarrassed that I was crying. The waiter came over. We hadn't even ordered yet. <laughs> so that says Sobbing a lot. Sobbing from moment one. <laughs> that says a lot. It was 4.30 p.m. So at least it was my preferred dinner time. Mm-hmm. And I remember him coming over and it was mid-sentence with my husband. And I had just seen earlier that day Kylie Jenner announce her pregnancy and it was so not her fault, but I was just livid. I remember livid. This. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being like, how dare she even post something so fucking vile? It wasn't vile at all. It was objectively like a beautiful video. And so the waiter walks over mid sentence as I'm going and fuck Kylie Jenner. And I slam my hands on the table while I'm sobbing. Then the next time we went back for date night, three weeks later, he looks at me and he goes, oh, you're the crying girl. What can I do for you? (laughs) We're back. Hi. It's me. Sorry, Kylie. (laughs) It's the definition of being triggered. Yeah. And that is fair. Mm -hmm. That is so understandable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I remember too, you know, you were seeking out a lot of information about what was going to happen. So we talked about, you know, getting to the point of we're seeing the signs. Things are not looking great. We're concerned. You're concerned. And then what happens? Because you, Mm -hmm. I remember you seeking out like what happens now? Because Mm -hmm. nobody talks about it. We Mm -hmm. don't talk about it enough. So I remember at the time, not only were you going to people asking, like, can I hear your experience? Mm-hmm. Because it's fucking lonely. Like you yeah. said, it's so isolating and painful. Yeah. But also, no one talks about the process of miscarriage and yeah. what is happening, what to expect. I had no idea. What is going on? If you follow us on Instagram, you know that Moki, my pug, he is my number one baby. He's my firstborn. I love him so much. 
But if I'm being really, really honest, ever since having kids, he doesn't get the attention that he used to. I do my best, but there's a lot going on. But one thing that makes me feel really good is we recently switched his food to the farmer's dog. And I cannot tell you how happy this little pug is every morning and every night when he's about to eat. Even my husband commented yesterday, he's like, I've never seen Moki prance around so excited. He loves this food. And I've noticed a difference where he does look happier. He has more energy. He just looks like a healthier dog. The farmer's dog makes and delivers fresh, healthy dog food. It's recommended by vets, nutritionally balanced, and it's made from human-grade ingredients in safe, clean kitchens. Honestly, when you pour it, you can tell how real and how clean this food is. In hindsight now, I can really see how like traditional dry and wet dog food options are extremely processed and they can use so much lower quality ingredients than they claim to, and they're extremely difficult to portion accurately. And if you're using dry food or like store-bought food, no guilt. I did it for a really long time, but I now notice such a difference since I've switched him. Which is why I'm here sharing the farmer's dog with you so you can incorporate it into your family. And one little detail that I love it makes life easier is the farmer's dog isn't just higher quality food. They also send you the right pre-portioned size specifically for your dog based on their unique nutritional needs. This makes it really easy to help your dog reach and stay at their ideal weight, which is one of the biggest indicators of a full healthy life. In fact, dogs at healthy weights can live as much as 16% longer than overweight ones, and that's two and a half years. A fresh diet has been found to have all sorts of benefits from healthier coat and skin to better breath and even easier digestion and smaller, better poops. Yes, poops matter. A healthy diet isn't just important for humans. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com feelings. Let the farmer's dog know that we sent you. Use our code or click podcast after you sign up for your first box. Besties, you know that after bedtime, this is a podcast where we navigate the wild world of parenting after our little ones have gone to sleep. But we can't forget our other little babies, our furry little troublemakers, our dogs. I have a little pug. His name is Moki and we call him Momo and he really is my number one baby. He was my first child. And at the same time, as much as we love our pets, we know they can get into um, some trouble sometimes. Let me tell you about a time that my sweet, sweet baby Moki got into a bit of trouble. My one-year-old was just learning how to do solids. He's practicing. I gave him a huge lamb bone. And the baby, being a baby, accidentally dropped it on the floor and within seconds i kid you not i looked over before i could grab it moki inhaled the lamb bone all six inches in a pug down his throat it was horrifying we rushed him to an emergency vet and thankfully thankfully it was a three-day journey he is okay but trust me the vet bills they were no joke Speaking of which, we wanted to share a message from our partner Spot Pet Insurance because Spot Pet Insurance plans can offer up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills, which sounds like a game changer and something I wish I had on the Moki Lambone fiasco. Honestly, like it was bad on top of bad when I got the bill. But now imagine getting up to 90% cash back on that bill. And the Spot Pet Insurance Plan offers not only coverage for accidents and illness plans, 
but an optional preventative care benefit as well to help with the cost for routine wellness, vaccines, and more. And if you catch yourself thinking like, mm, is it expensive? Let me tell you, it is probably less expensive than the unexpected $1,800 vet bill that I got served. Go to spotpetinsurance.com today and get a free quote instantly. It's very easy. Disclaimer, paid ad for Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, coinsurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply for all terms. Visit spotpetins.com slash sample dash policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services, LLC. I had no, I had no idea. I think what I knew or what I thought, and maybe other people are more versed. I don't know. And I've had a lot of friends, by the way, that had pregnancy losses. I was like right there with them. But I guess when you're not in it, you don't know the right things to say. You don't really ask. God, it feels like such a misstep from our society that we know everything about pregnancy going into it sometimes and nothing about the 25% chance of what something that will happen to you like medically, physically, even just that, let alone the emotions that come along with it. Because I had, in my mind, I thought, and again, this is trigger warning, this is just raw, vulnerable, I thought blood, I thought gushing, I thought boop, and that's over. And that's, that's it. And it's horrible. I thought it would be horrific. I did. I had no idea how many hundred different ways it could go, and how agonizing it can be, and how many different ways all the way through some miscarriages or pregnancy losses, they actually need medical assistance in removing the pregnancy. The heart stops beating, devastating, and then they have to wait and see if the things will happen on their own or sometimes this will last for weeks and they're waiting and waiting and they end up needing a DNC, a surgery to remove the embryo. I truly, until I had my own experience and then talked to other friends about their experiences, I had never even heard of that. How is that possible? How am I getting pregnant in the first place? And it seems irresponsible that I have no idea that that's a very common scenario, by the way. And and there's a million other ways, right? Like some people have to take really intense medication to assist them with the passing. Some people have ectopic pregnancies. The embryo is stuck in your fallopian tube. And it's life-threatening, by the way. I had a friend who had to go to the ER and have the ectopic pregnancy And then, of course, late stage pregnancy losses and medically everything that comes with that process. I just had absolutely no idea how many different ways pregnancy loss could go. So there were red flags with the levels dropping and it was a fucking roller coaster because I was like, "Okay, this is it. And they told me as much like they were like, okay, you should prepare, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. We go in, and this will get really emotional. We go in for the scan at whatever week it was. And like we see the heartbeat. And the skin before that, actually, we saw we saw whatever it was, the sack. And they were like, well, this looks great. Like, this doesn't look like anything. Like, we would see some signs if this was bad. So, like, I think you're actually maybe in the clear. Like, let's see next week. We go back next week. We see the heartbeat. We're celebrating. I mean, they're like, this is good. This You wouldn't see this if something were wrong. 
She I says, remember them telling yeah. you that's just some babies yep. have lower HCG levels. They just totally. do. They stopped even checking the levels because it's like, this doesn't matter anymore. And now we're just going to go based off of what it looks like. And it looks great. There's the little heartbeat. Uh, oh, man. And it was three hours later after we saw the heartbeat. Oh, and yeah. this is just a personal part of it. But... From the minute we got that HCG, that call that the levels might be going down, I had completely shut down. I was so excited for this. You know, I was trying really hard before this. This was the last month before we were going to be starting IVF. Oh, let me take a minute. Ooh, so it's not into this microphone. Yeah. It was the last month we were going to start IVF in September or July, whatever it was. You had tried and so it was hard July. for this baby. Yeah. And it happened. And, oh. The minute I got that first phone call, I shut it all the way down, which is what a lot of people do, by the way. I think the first 12 weeks was we're told to. Yeah, you totally did. There was, I, I remember <laughs> having to convince you yeah. there was no red flag. No, I hadn't miscarried yeah. in the past and yeah. I'd never been pregnant at that point. Yeah. But every yeah. night yeah. I would wake up, go to the bathroom and just yeah. expect yeah. to see blood. And it was like week 15 or something. And you were like, well, you never know. And I'm like, I think we do know not to laugh, but like, right. it really wasn't. So I think a lot of us do that instinctually the first 12 weeks because we're just told like, well, yeah. whatever. But the second I got that phone call, it was... I shut all the way down and was like, nope, like I'm not going to do it. But I think what's oh, amazing heartbeat. when I saw and my husband, like when we saw that heartbeat, oh, it's so fucked up and it was so hard, but I'm so grateful for it because I felt like just everything coursed through my body and my heart just like bursted and I just loved that little baby on the screen for just you know a moment just for those three hours and I really thank god for that even though it was really fucked up to have it be ripped away three hours later but I always look back because I can say you know that I loved that baby and I think for all of us you know if I were to ever do it again or when I had then eventually little baby it was amazing it was just a really hard work of the first 12 weeks being like, no matter what happens, I'm going to love the shit out of this baby that's inside of me. Like, you don't have to wait for 12 weeks. Like, <sighs> So I guess then, okay. too, you know, that was a roller coaster yep. that you went so on. That was the roller coaster that I never knew that it could be 100 different ways. Sometimes that happens to some people. Sometimes it's just in the middle of the night. They have no idea. 100 different ways. Yep. Yeah. So what then, did you do from there? Then... Then I went home and then I started cramping and I thought maybe it was from the ultrasound and it was very clear that it was not. Um, and I do just wish that people talked about it more. I mean, I don't want to go into too much detail, but I wish I would have known because I was shocked. Like I was shocked and I went to the bathroom and it was happening and it was pretty fucking clear. It was, hap I mean, it was very clear. No, it was very clear. I was also bleeding, by the way, all the way leading up to this, right? Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. I remember filming for Good Morning America yep. and I looked back at that interview. I was like, this is a shitty ass interview because I was miscarrying on the screen. Yeah. Um, but I was bleeding for weeks. So I just, 
I, it was a shock response and I wasn't sure it was happening. And thankfully the girls were watching TV. My husband ran upstairs cause I'm screaming and oh God, it's awful. You know, just us like holding each other. I remember sending you a photo. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Dina. Cause I didn't know. I was like, is this what it looks like? Nobody fucking tells you. And I know it's right. hard to think about in advance, but shit. It's even scarier said, when you don't exactly. know what to expect. Yep. Like, Hey, this is what it looks like. So, you know, I mean, this is something too, again, it might be too far, but no one talks about what do you do with it? Because in one second I almost flushed it down the toilet. Again, this might be very triggering, but that was something I saw in the DMs. So I know we need to talk about it because I saw thousands of people into the DMs being like, either they regretted what they did in the moment or the opposite or where do you, do you have a ceremony? It's not talked about. There's not no. a funeral. There's not a specific thing to do. And I think, and I should have fact checked this before we came on, but I believe there's a Japanese ceremony that it's very common to do this. And they have this little statue and it's like, you're supposed to have this ritual so that you can move forward and you're not just stuck. And you can do whatever feels right. You can make up a ritual, ritual. make up a ceremony. Yep. A hundred percent. I remember even talking to other good friend, Dr. Cassidy. Shout out Dr. Cassidy. She's great. I'm just shouting people out on Instagram. All our friends. Follow. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And we were also, this is another part, again, that nobody tells you about is I felt, I'll just use the word fucking crazy. I felt like a fucking just crazy person afterwards. I had biological urges because what I ended up doing with it was I put it in a cup, put the baby, let's call it the baby. I put the baby in the cup. I couldn't look at it for a few days, just kept him or her in the closet or they in the closet. And I decided I did want to do something. So we went outside and we like went to this beautiful area with flowers, open space, water. We buried him, her, I always call her her. I don't know why. Sobbed. And it was the best thing we ever did was doing that ritual. Came back home. But I felt like a fucking crazy person hormonally because it started to rain. And oh, I just remember, like, wanting to go out there and, like, dig the baby back up and, like, put the baby back inside of me somehow. It just, it made no logical sense. But there were so many, like, urges that were really scary the hormones and the darkness and it was just fucked up yeah you know and I just it's so untalked about it's so like you said at the beginning like go back to work go do this like oh you had a miscarriage I'm so sorry move on you know and for me it wasn't that way it wasn't that way it was uh god three six months a year of it being really hard like really 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 through the roof hard yeah i'm crying too (laughs) sorry (laughs) because for me too like god core memory of just going through it with you was being at the hospital oh yeah you were there after you were like screaming in your house we went to the hospital and i just you know was there with me my husband took care of the kids they wouldn't let you in but you were at the hospital i sat on a bench outside like in the rain (laughs) and i just remember you walking out and looking at me and you said there's there's nothing in there anymore it was just oh 
horrible. It was horrible. I remember coming home that night. This is such a weird thing too, but such a core memory. I remember coming home that night and I hadn't drank alcohol in a a long time because we were trying and I was like trying all these fucking things to, you know, like get pregnant. And I hadn't had alcohol. Obviously I was pregnant too. So it had been so long. And I remember coming home from that hospital, walking in. My husband was drinking straight tequila because that's what he does sometimes. I am like a... I can barely handle the, the taste of wine, you know? Like, I, I can't, I, like, if I have a sip of something, I'll almost throw up of, like, a whiskey or, like, smelling it. I came home, I poured more into that cup, and then I drank that cup all the way down, and there was no sensation in my mouth, my body, my esophagus. I was so physically detached yeah. after that hospital visit that I didn't feel, I didn't feel a single thing. And then I think it probably lasted weeks, right? I felt fucking nothing. Yeah. Makes sense (sighs) after your body just went through such a trauma. Yep. You know, and the trauma is so tied to your body. Yeah. To just want to get away from your body. Yeah. And not feel it, not feel anything. It's so hard. There are a lot of things and a lot of ways people Mm -hmm. try to support friends. Oh, yeah. Some ways help. Yep. Some things don't help. Yeah. And I'm curious. And they mean well. And they, they mean do well, mean well. Usually. Yes. And as someone Good who point. has gone through this experience, yeah. what are some things that people commonly say or said that just were not helpful? Let's just start with that one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, things that were not helpful. What did you do or what happened? I remember from like that time in our sure. lives. Yeah. yeah. I wrote it down. It was things also like, this is God's plan. Oh, Everything fuck. is meant to be. Oh, it fuck. happened for a reason. Oh, fuck. At least you have two <laughs> kids I'm blocking, already. <laughs> I'm blocking all of this out. Yep. Okay, wait. Keep going. Um, At least you have two healthy kids. Be grateful yep, for that. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm blocking out. I think it's extra level when you live on the internet because... That's true. I did. I read horrific things like because it was that, but it's as if I'm not a real person. So it was like, oh, the bitch who has two kids is whining about her pregnancy loss. And then there were rumors of like faking it. And then someone said like, maybe if her house wasn't so dirty, then she wouldn't have lost it. So I don't think that's common for most people. Most people, it's the like, it was God's plan. Oh, one real life person did say to me, well, now you can try for a boy. Oh, God. And I was like, we didn't even know what it was, (laughs) Susan. (laughs) What are you fucking saying? Oh, one is at least it was early. At least it was early. Do you want to pause there? Because that one, I think, happens a lot as if that's better. You're allowed to grieve no matter where you were in the process of pregnancy. Uh, there you are. Yeah, I think that's it, right? Yeah. Okay. So then I'm let's do the out. flip side of okay. that. Yeah, this is better for me. Flip side. Okay. <laughs> so having gone through this experience, yeah. how was it helpful yeah. for people to show up? What kind of support yeah. did you want? I think this is also probably different for everyone, but shit, I really did love a meal train. Like I chose to share the pregnancy early and I also chose to share the miscarriage. I did wait, maybe it was like three or four days because social media wasn't it, whatever it was. I waited a few days and those few days were the worst, darkest, loneliest. And when I say dark, I mean real dark. 
And once I shared, it was still horrible, but it wasn't darkness and alone type of feeling. I was set, like meal trains were set up, flowers were sent, voice notes from 13 different friends or people that I hadn't even met in real life. People through Instagram, a train, like a random trainer of a friend, random people that I can think of to this day that I was not that close to, not really just acquainting it, the random neighbor, the mom from school that I, you know, rarely talked to. These people, these women lifted me up because they could say all the things that a lot of people didn't know what to say, which is like, it's not your fault, going through their stories, all of that. From the people who hadn't been through it, one of the most helpful things I think they said was Lisa, who is our uh, director of business ops now at Big Little Feelings, but an old time friend. She was very smart because she'll be the first one to recognize she can be a touch positive. She can be a touch positive. So you would, it would be very tempting to say something like, at least it was early. It's God, you can keep trying. And she said something and she said, I don't know what to say right now. I'm here. And that like, it makes me want to cry to this day because what a good thing to say when you don't know what to say. Yeah. It's the worst when you can tell somebody is just very uncomfortable and that it makes sense to be uncomfortable, but then they spit out things that maybe they shouldn't say. And the best is just to recognize. And that's the same thing you did by the way, which is just like sitting there, you know, you don't yeah. actually have to say anything. And you right. were really good in that way too, which you're always that good, oh, which is just you. holding that space. Yeah, man. <sighs> anyone listening that this was like heavy for or if you've been through it or you're going through it oh, i just wish i could give you a really big hug because like you're not overreacting this is fucked up this is hard this is hard one day it'll be less hard but it's still it's always going to stay with you yeah yeah and you're not alone yeah Okay, we're going to shift gears into listener questions. Yes, let's do questions. So these are all focused on miscarriage. Okay. First question is, how did your husband react to the loss? What was that like? Ooh, this is such a an interesting question. So <laughs> this is another core memory of that time. When it first happened, the same way that I reacted in such a interesting way, I would say, right? Like pushing, keep going, be normal. He reacted in a really weird way too, which was, I remember you actually sent your babysitter, Emily. I had never used a babysitter with my children until that day. Never because of postpartum anxiety, a whole slew of issues, but I didn't trust anyone with my kids. And you were that day, you were like, Kristen, you need to rest. You need help. It's okay to have help. You sent your babysitter literally from your house over to my house. And so the babysitter was watching the girls and I was in bed sobbing as one would. And my husband walks in and he goes, and he goes, babe, I'm going to the Mercedes dealership. (laughs) And I'm like, what? He's like, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go test drive some cars. I'm going to go test drive a G wagon. Mind you, we, (laughs) thank you. We, we're not getting a Mercedes. Okay. We we are not in the market for a new car. If we were, we're not getting a Mercedes. We're certainly not getting a G wagon. Okay. Like 
um, not even on the like remote possibility. So this was not like, okay, there's something else to do on the to-do list. I'm going to busy myself. This was just like, oh, out of left field, I'm going to go to the Mercedes dealership and drive a G-Wagon. I just thought that was the oddest thing in the world at the time because I thought he would come in, he would go cry, he would be sob, he would be down. I just, I didn't expect that. And then he stayed very strong and he took care of the kids and he took care of the meals because I was a little bit emotionally, physically incapacitated. And I don't think, just like not enough people talk, no men talk about it. At least I can find stories of women. How do men process and do they have the right to grieve? Because they they do. Yeah. They do. But it's just not inherent, I guess. And it didn't physically happen to them. So he was just carrying on like nothing was happening and it was totally fine and being like strong, 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 strong. And it wasn't until we did that ritual where we went to the water and we buried what I'll call the baby that, I mean, he was just like full body shaking sobs, like wailing. Luckily this is like, no one is around. It's a reservoir in the middle of Colorado, just wailing and screaming like, letting it out. And he actually, funnily enough, we were on the fence about having a third for a long time. Then I knew I wanted a third. He was still on the fence. And the moment that that happened with that ritual was like the moment that he needed. And from that moment on was like missing. Like, I just remember him saying so often being like, I really miss the baby right now, you know, which Again, for men, I just don't think is as societally spoken about or talked about or able to like have those emotions, those feelings that even though you weren't carrying it and it was super early ish to be like, I miss the baby and to cry and to grieve together. After we did that ritual, we were able to do that. I'm so glad you guys did that ritual because it was so important for you to be able to feel those feelings. Yeah. Fully, because that is the only way you can move through them is to feel them fully. And it helps you like process. Mm -hmm. It doesn't help you close a chapter because it 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 keeps going. (laughs) It's a, but there is something about a closure of a, a moment and like taking a moment together because otherwise you're just two ships grieving in very different ways. You're going to a Mercedes dealership. I'm just in the depths of despair trying to unbury our baby. Like it really brings you together for a moment, which is what funerals are about, which is what all rituals are about. So yeah, I'm glad we did that. Yeah. Okay. We have another question. You went on to have a baby in the end. He's so cute, by the way. Thank you. He's very cute. I'm curious how the loss factored into the pregnancy and beyond. That is a really good yeah. question. Yeah. Your face. Your face. Do you want to take it away? How did, <laughs> how did the loss affect me? Do you know? <laughs> bless therapy. Every episode. Yeah. Bless yeah, therapy. Bless therapy. Plus therapy. I was in weekly therapy every single week after the miscarriage and beyond. I did EMDR for the miscarriage, for the hospital experience, for like multi-facet parts of the miscarriage. I went to therapy every single week of my pregnancy because I was so scared the entire time. Yeah. Um, 
I was terrified the entire pregnancy. I thought I was going to lose the pregnancy no matter how far I got. It wasn't like logical. It wasn't like, oh, we're at 20 weeks scan. Nope, that's not. I felt really guilty and scared because I wasn't connecting no matter what I did, no matter what I tried, no matter how hard I knew, like, even if I lose this baby, I'm going to connect. I couldn't fucking do it. I couldn't do it. Um, Did he feel real? Even when you were holding him? Mm -mm. No. No. (laughs) I had to go to therapy for this, but for a different reason. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, Another story for another day. (laughs) Well, we will be doing an episode all about postpartum anxiety. (laughs) Wait for that. Yeah. It was, you know, I think that most pregnancies are affected when you've had a loss, no matter how early or far along it's going to show up with subsequent pregnancies. Uh, It certainly did for mine. And then for me, it did kind of subside when he came, actually, when I think about it. I was so terrified because with my second, I had a similar experience to you, which was there was no reason, there was no logic. I just knew, I just knew she was going to go, you know, like there wasn't. And when she was here, I still didn't feel it. And I was terrified that was going to happen again. And I didn't feel connected to her because I knew I was going to lose her fuck postpartum anxiety that did not happen with this one and who knows why i really just think it's literal postpartum anxiety and Mm -hmm. i didn't get postpartum anxiety with this pregnancy yeah and so it was a very different experience than having your rainbow baby and you've been trying and you went through so much and then to have him and one thing i think we not to always go back to the negative here we are (laughs) one thing i don't think people talk enough about though is like it is incredible having the rainbow baby because all the things that i would not complain about but that were horrible about the first one i was like oh thank god oh thank god like i will stay up all night like it just it's your rainbow baby like it's so you're it's so different but what people don't talk about is like to this day, I still miss that other baby. You know, yeah. uh, I remember after I lost that baby being like, I was so fucking angry. And I don't remember who I shouted it out. It might have been you. It was somebody who didn't even say anything wrong. But I remember screaming at someone and being like, I don't want another fucking baby. I want that baby. You know, and so I do think a hard part of balancing is being like so grateful for this baby that you have in your arms, which by the way, I just want to say not everybody ends up getting their rainbow baby. So I am incredibly privileged in that way. And not a day goes by that I don't recognize that. And an empowering stat. Yep. Stats show. Go ahead. 85% yes. of women and birthing people will go on to get that rainbow baby. Thank you for bringing that in, Dina. No problem. Thank you. <sighs> and if you're in the other percentage, by the way. Yeah. I'm sorry. Fuck that, man. This is all fucked up. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault. <sighs> Nobody talks about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a complicated process. And like every Christmas, one of my friends, the one, the school mom, who's, by the way, just had her rainbow baby, IVF, same experience. Every Christmas, she has an ornament for the baby that she lost. And I still to this day just wonder, like, all the time I beat myself up being like, what's wrong with me? Like, why don't I have something? Why does it feel silly to have, like, it was early, you shouldn't have an ornament or you shouldn't do this. So maybe I'm going to explore that because it's complicated emotions once you get the baby that you were wanting and still mourning the baby that you lost. 
Yeah. And it doesn't make you ungrateful in any shape or form. That's nice to hear. Okay. I think that's where we leave it. Honestly, this was, this was therapeutic. This was cathartic. Uh, Thank you, Dina. Thank you, listener. Thank you for being here. And if you uh, have been there, I'm sending you the biggest hug. I thank you for being here and walking alongside this with me. If you are struggling with toddler or preschooler tantrums, pushback, discipline, picky eating, just all the confusing things, this podcast, we can only scratch the surface. If you need help, our course, Winning the Toddler Stage, is here to help. It is aptly nicknamed the Toddler Manual because it truly has every single thing you could possibly struggle with under the sun between the ages of one and six within one course. We're not going to do a bunch of workshops. You have to buy the sleep guide and the picky eating guide and the this guide and the that guide. No. Everything you could possibly need for ages one through six is all in this one course. We were never meant to do this parenting thing alone. You deserve to have help. We are here for you. You can find that course at biglittlefeelings.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at biglittlefeelings. We give free tips every single day. They might change your life with one free tip. Thank you so much for being here with us. This has been an Odyssey production, executive produced by Lauren LaGrasso, produced by Daniela Silva, edited by Bob Tabador, and theme music composed by Liz Full. Then studio lighting designed by Shane Sackett and designed by Jackie Shearman. Special thanks to Odyssey Executive Vice President and Head of Podcasts, Jenna Weiss-Berman. And thank you for being here with us. We can't wait till next week.